Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 21st, 2021, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 5, How It Works, and we're on page 66, the first paragraph. It is plain that a life, that one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Rick J., for the 12 traditions, Sam S., and reading the text are Marge O. and Nancy P. The newcomer greeter is Claire E., and the host of the second hour is Esther C. The reference number for Sunday, June 21st, special edition is 17,187. That's 17187. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive eating, overeating, can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rick J. to read the 12 steps. Hello. Hey, Katie. Thank you. My name is Rick J. I'm a recovery compulsive overeater from Cary, North Carolina. Here are the steps we took which were suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Rick. Okay, I will now ask Sam S. to read the 12 Traditions. Thank you for leading, Katie. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group's purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our good leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks. Thank you, Sam. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 66, the first paragraph. It is plain that a life. And I will ask Marjo to begin reading. Thank you. This is Marjo from Massachusetts, recovered and grateful. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, This business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. But when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. Thank you for allowing me to do service this morning. This paragraph, this whole chapter, this is just was just so meaningful for me. It's it's where I started to grow up and realize that even though when I carried these resentments, oh boy, didn't I feel powerful? That anger just just conjured up lots and lots and lots of mean spirit, not not uh, spiritual spirit. That's for sure. And as time went on, 
and the more I studied this book and the longer I went to program, I began to realize. But it wasn't overnight. It took a while. And it's, it can still want to pop its, you know, rear its ugly head, as I like to say. And, of course, that's why I have, this, you know, step 10 today. And I'm thankful for it. And I'm also thankful for a spiritual feeling around my program. And I'm thankful for today and for many, many years now. I do know that the anger is dubious and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't take me anywhere but downhill and it's like being on an elevator that the cable broke it just takes me down to that bottom floor and i don't want to live there anymore i want to be i, I want to be a true good human being and to be connected spiritually to my higher power and the only way to do that is to stay living in these steps and to and to follow the principles of the program and to really, I do understand today, to eat is to die. And I don't want to live, I want the freedom that I have a day at a time, staying in touch with my higher power and doing what I can for the next compulsive overeater who still suffers. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marge, for getting us started. And we're on page 66, the first paragraph. It is Plain Better Life. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this paragraph? This is uh, Larry K. Larry K. Larry K. Dara L. Fort Worth. Dara, Claire. Did you get uh, Lisa B? I don't know if my voice, my voice came through. It did not. Thank you. Okay. Okay, so let me tell you who I have. Okay, thank you, Seneca. I knew I was missing someone. Okay. Um, So I have Larry K., Benita, Dara, Claire, Lisa B., and Seneca. I'm not positive about all those initials of their last names, so I didn't say them. So let's go with Larry K., followed by Benita, I think, L., Go ahead, Larry. Oh, good. Go ahead. good morning. Thanks so much. I appreciate your service. You know, there's some common stuff with resentments. Isn't my resentment uh, uh, valid? And isn't it justified? Yes, of course your resentment is valid and justified. And you have an absolute right uh, to be resentful. But those, for me, I found were the wrong questions. You know, the right question for me was, do I want to be resentful? You know, is resentment keeping me from being the person I want to be, the person that God wants me to be? You know, resentments keep me sort of locked in a devalued uh, state, and it's, it's, it's really difficult for me to, uh, to appreciate or connect positively with people when I'm in that state. And, and, and God sort of, you know, I was locked in this self-imposed prison, and God sort of hid the key in the last place that I would look. It was right there in my, in my nerdy little behind my nerdy little pocket protector. You know, it was right right on my being there. Um, and I never looked there. And the big book reminds us that when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. And that's true, right? And then food uh, becomes operative for me. And isn't it amazing how we, uh, we, always, we always find what we're looking for? When I look for your flaws, I never have a problem finding them. I could just as easily look for the goodness in you, but I, I just am... 
geared and I look for the flaws and I find what I'm looking for. And I remember a student of mine um, from several years ago when I was teaching, he had a colorful way of um, describing the effects of resentments. We were talking about resentments. And he said that it was like dragging around, you know, dragging the chain of resentments around through life is like carrying around a back, you know, a bag of horse manure. He didn't say horse manure. You can imagine what he said, right? He said, you know, you want to smear that bag of, of horse manure in the face of the person you resent, you know? So you carry it around waiting for the opportunity and you carry it around and you carry it around, you carry it around. And, and in the end, he said, who, and who stinks? You do. <laughs> right? I did. And now, you know, so now when I look at it, you know, the recipe for me, if I wanted to maintain and build upon those existing resentments, you know, there was kind of a recipe for that. And here's, here it goes, you know, expect other people to make us happy. Agree to things you don't want to. And have, have undisclosed expectations of other people. That's a good one for me. And demand that these other people can read your mind. Fear confrontation at all costs. At all costs, you know. Deny or devalue our needs when they don't get met. And try to control people and things over which we have no authority. See, these were the things I was doing and the, and, and the resentments continue to go on. You know, something about forgiveness that's helpful to, for me. Forgiveness doesn't mean we condone or accept bad behavior. Rather, it means that we let go of our anger and resentment. This is where prayer and this walk with God and developing empathy for other people can help us find forgiveness. That's, that's what this is all about for me. I don't have to carry around that dog, that, that, that bag of, of doo-doo anymore. So thanks, Katie. With that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Benita, I think it's L or O. It's your turn, followed by Dara, I think L. Go ahead, Benita. K, I don't know, sorry. Yes, hi, this is Benita L in Georgia. <laughs> L. Thank you, Thank Katie, you. for moderating. And that last share was awesome. Um, yeah, I learned... Well, I don't know. I did the steps for the first time in 1990, but I didn't get the power of having to stay clean of resentment. And I have a constitution that um, when I'm unbalanced, um, tends towards anger. And people in the past used to call me Vanita Vendetta. And because like, if you hurt me, I was getting back at you. And it's amazing because it's amazing the transformation that's happened because I can still get very disturbed and um, stuff, right? But now I have the tools to work with it. I have sit down and do the 10th step, call somebody and read it. If I'm too upset, just call them and ask them to walk me through it. And I've realized a lot of times I projected I have a sponsee who she doesn't like doing the word am I resentful on the 11th evening review. She writes, where did I give away my power? And there's times when after I do a 10 step, the defect is I'm being dishonest, right? I need to share 
my experience in a very responsible way. I need to share my anger. I've I've learned a lot how to share my anger in a very responsible way. Not sideways, you know, just, you know, call someone up or sit them down or something and just say, you know, are you willing to hear, you know, what happened for me? And to say to them, hey, when this thing happened, this was the meaning I made of it. So they have some idea how you got there. And, you know, this is how I feel. And sometimes make a request. You know, um, I would like, you know, such and such in the future and be willing to let go that they might not be able to fulfill my request. But it's such a beautiful way to live and it's such a respectful way to live. And um, it's such a gracious way to live at night. I think a lot of us, I was terrified of my anger. I needed a lot of help in therapy and groups to release a lot of rage. And I had reasons for a lot of rage from my childhood. And But to get that out in safe places where I could respond more normally to, you know, day-to-day situations. So I'm so powerful to understand the dangers of resentment because I've seen it lead other people back into relapses. Thanks. Thank you, Benita. Okay, Dara, you're up, followed by Claire. Great. Thanks so much for your service, Katie. I'm Dara L. in Philadelphia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, And I actually wanted to share on the exact last line that the last sharer said, um, you know, that that, uh, untreated resentments, you know, lead to relapse. And I am, this is my fourth time recovered. And, uh, and, and I mean, you know, completely recovered, abstinent, working the steps, sponsoring others, um, you know, being free, recoiling as if from a hot flame. And uh, the first time after two years, I went, I went out around a resentment um, about, you know, being single and like, where's the love of my life? You know, I, I, I recovered so I could get that and, you know, screw OA that it didn't give me what I was looking for. And, um, and I went out and I ate again. And uh, same thing, you know, two years later, I, I went out over a resentment. <laughs> I ate again. Uh, and then two years later, I went out over a resentment and took three years to pick up. And I picked up because, you know, I was pissed off at the world. And, uh, and, and the sad thing about that last time is that actually the world had given me everything I said I wanted. And I was wanted nope. and I was nope. And I was still pissed, and I was off, still about pissed off about oh, it. Oh, you know what? I'm hearing a reverberation. Can you hear that as well? Or? No. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I was just, uh, as I was listening to the, to the shares and listening to this being read, I thought about my conception of God today. And, you know, my own personal conception of God, goddess, God X, is that it's everything that, you know, I believe in a diverse, inclusive God of love that exists in and around all of us all the time. And so if I'm hating someone else, if I'm, you know, planning their demise, um, then I'm really, you know, I'm hating myself and I become so cut off from God, from love, from others, um, that I'm incapable of functioning in that space. You know, I don't understand the meaning of life. I don't get why people are happy. I don't have empathy, you know, all of that. And I've lived that way, both in the food and in abstinence. And so, you know, yeah, for me to eat is to die, but I experience a spiritual death 
each time I allow a resentment to fester and go untreated. And, um, and I, I've, I've felt spiritually dead and I felt on the path to physical death. And thank God, you know, thank God that steps 10 and 11 give me a way out of that each and every day. Um, and I'll pass. And I'm so, so grateful uh, for this meeting. Thank you, Dara. And Claire E., you're up, followed by Lisa B. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, everybody. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Cornwall in the UK. Uh, just there's so much in this paragraph and um, love what's been shared so far. For me, um, I think I came back into OA three and a half years ago, mostly because of the unmanageability of my emotions. And that emotion that I predominantly felt the whole time was rage resentment, festering, anger. And it was just a horrible, horrible way of living. Um, and because I knew that most of my resentments weren't reasonable or rational, I would white knuckle this anger and I would come out sideways, left, right and center. I'd be critical, I'd be judgmental. I'd shout at my kids. I'd, I'd beat myself up. Um, it was just everywhere in my life. And although I intellectually know even now that that's fear driven, uh, for me, it turned very quickly to anger, and it's a horrible, horrible way to live. So, you know, to me, I love these passages on resentment. I think it's an amazing piece of spiritual writing. Um, this is infinitely grave. This is fatal. If it's not me picking up the food, which it will be eventually, it makes my life spiritually dead, and it's just a horrible place to live. And, you know, fortunately, you know, it then goes on to describe what we do with this resentment. And what I've learned is I am powerless over that. I can't white knuckle my way through trying not to feel it. That's not how it works for me. You know, I will have resentments. And, you know, I really relate to what's been said about the sort of justifiable resentments where I'm right. You know, those are the worst kinds because I feel I want to sit in it. You know, it says, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And sometimes I'd really rather be right. But I know that that's it. Like the food, you know, it doesn't live there rent free. What it will do is it will block me from a spiritual awakening. And, you know, I need a spiritual awakening to be able to recover from food. That is just simplicity. It's a step one thing. I cannot afford to sit in resentment, however justified. And, you know, I have a tool for that now. You know, I can write inventory and it takes us through in the little next while of how to do that. You know, I work through my columns. I look at my part. I share it with somebody else and I get out of myself and I, I, I work with others. And, you know, I know from doing that that I can have real freedom around my resentment. And, you know, now when I get a resentment, however justified it is, I have to ask myself, am I prepared to die over this? You know, am I prepared to die because my mum gave my brother some money? You know, am I prepared to sacrifice all my relationships for that? No, I'm not. I know what freedom around resentment feels like. And I want to be there. I want to be in the sunlight spirit. It feels so much better and so much happier to be in that space. And so I take the steps and, and it says, you know, the, 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 as, as outlined, and, um, you know, it says, do I squander the hours that could have been useful? You know, and that is exactly it. It's just wasting time if I sit in it. It's wasting time that I could have been having a happy, joyous and useful life um, by being miserable. And, and um, I'm so very grateful. It's such a practical program of action. And it doesn't always shift to that, you know, immediately. It doesn't always happen that resentment disappears on my timing. Sometimes it does take a little while. And I do have to sit in it a while. But I always, always find that the freedom from that is through doing the work as it goes on to describe and looking at my part um, and bringing it all back into the sunlight, you know, bringing it to God, my resentments and everything. Um, I will pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Okay, Lisa B., you're up, followed by Seneca. Good morning, Katie. This is uh, Lisa. Can you hear me? 
Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. My name is Lisa. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. And um, I was thinking about that word harboring, and that means keeping something secret. You know, I'm, I'm keeping it secret. And then it's telling me what my real solution is. It's saying my hope. My hope for freedom is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. And it made me think about a few pages before that where it said, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness or it kills us. And it's the same thing here. It's a death threat. There are death threats, you know. And um, that is the thing that gives me life and freedom. And when I am cut off, I start to feel alone. And someone shared on that a few shares before me. And I start to feel anxious. But I can't always trace it. That's what it is. And I think, oh, you know, I'm feeling anxious. I don't know what it is. I'm perceiving that I'm cut off from God, my source. And um, I don't have that sunlight to nurture and feed me and promote the growth inside of me. It's just an amazing way of living. But that feeling of being cut off can come back like a cold breeze. You know, it just can come back and I don't always know what it is. And I have to sit down and and get connected. And then when I realize, oh, my gosh, you know, I have a resentment I'm holding on to or I've been judging someone or I'm critical of someone or there's someone I despise, whatever, um, I don't always want to let go of it. And I need to look at step six. And I also need to look at step one. You know, this is this is a death threat. It's telling me if I don't want to let go of it, I will eventually feel that horrible sense of separation and I will do something to give me a feeling of comfort again. And that insanity, it does come back. It can come back. Food is the last thing that will show itself. Um, So I like where it says it's plain that a life that includes deep resentment. So it's like this program is so simple. It really is very plain and simple, but I complicate it. So I, I love what I heard someone say the other day, you know, alcoholics and compulsive overeaters, when we hear the truth, we get confused. We don't understand it. <laughs> so I, I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, um, Seneca, you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares, and we're on page 66, hey. the first paragraph. It is plain. Okay, go ahead, Seneca. Sorry. Thank you. Hey, this is Seneca um, T. I'm now known in program as Harriet. Um, And I am so grateful to be able to share with y'all on the line today, um, this line. But with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. So my sponsor says, well, coming to vision for you is like the graduate level of OA. So I love to just speak it right out from my experience to where, you know, they say throw it where the goats can get it. Um, I stayed stuck. I stayed stuck because I had justified resentment. Are you telling me I can't still be pissed off at my dad, you know, who abandoned me at birth um, because he was alcoholic? Now, I don't want to apologize to him, you know, for, for, for cussing him out for that, you know. I don't, I don't want to because that was his fault. I stayed stuck because I didn't want to own my stuff with my ex-husband when I was unfaithful to him. 
you know, I, I stayed stuck because of what he did or what he did to me. I stayed in the food, y'all. I did. And it was that business, right? It's like a business. Like, that's my job to mind your business. That is what kept me stuck, too. I was too busy thinking about what everybody else was doing. Oh, they don't do that over there. They don't do this right here, you know? And I couldn't mind my own business. And that resentment, I started hating myself because of it. So I'd eat. And when I eat, I hated myself more. And I kept getting further and further and further blocked from the spirit. And when I truly get real, that the person, places, principles, racism, yeah, that will keep me stuck. Getting on a bandwagon for sure, it will keep me stuck. But today, my, my job is to have hope in that maintenance and growth of my spiritual program and whatever that is. You know, and, and, and doing the work, facing it, that pissed me off. I got to keep doing this? What? You know, that kept me stuck. And so now I'm free and recovered because I'm just busy. Nose is on my plate, doing my thing, accepting how flawed I am. That pisses me off. But you know what? Hey, God's in charge. God's the director of the show. Not me. I don't have to be perfect. I just take my lines, do some simple steps, and I just keep moving. I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And this is Harriet. So glad to share with y'all. I'll pass. Thank you, Harriet. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're on page 66, the first paragraph. It is plain that a life. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. Who would like to share? Leah S. Julie, Julie E.B. Ken Leah. Sandy C. Heidi B. Lane S. Ken W.H. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, this is who I heard, and I missed someone. Um, Leah S., Julie E.B., Ken W.H., Sandy C., and who was that that just came up? Heidi B. Heidi B. Amanda B. Amanda B. Barbara S. Yeah. Amanda. Heidi B. Yes, I got you, Heidi, Amanda, and Barbara S. Okay, let's start there. Okay, Leah S., Julie E.B., Ken W.H., Sandy C., Heidi B., Amanda, I think it was B., um, and Barb S., Barbara S. Go ahead, Leah. Leah S., we cannot hear you. Okay, is it okay now? (laughs) Yes, we can hear you now. Okay. Thank you so much, Katie. Um, This is Leah S., presently in upstate New York. Very grateful. And um, it is uh, is plain that a life that includes deep resentment, they're not saying that the resentment or that I'm never going to get angry or that it's not going to happen. They're just saying the maintenance and the growth of the spiritual experience that will lessen that anger. 
when I do a 10-step, I will eventually see the truth of what is going on because um, there was something that, that this anger is not allowing me to, to see clearly. And, 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 and when, I, when I calmed, when I remembered that I have to do a 10-step, it suddenly becomes a little bit clearer that I'm going to feel better after this 10-step and it's not going to be so much resentment. And that alone calms me down in order to do that and in order to be able to 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 try to figure out how to how to how to uh, uh absolve the situation because it's 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 just not it's it's going to leave me um yeah I lost my train of thought I really want to <laughs> but that's okay um that's that's basically it and um I will pass thank you Okay, thank you, Leah S. And Julie E.B., you're up, followed by Ken W.H. Hi, this is Julie E.B. I'm gratefully recovered in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, uh, yeah, this speaks uh, right to where I live. Um, it's hard for me to believe that, you know, 10 years ago, I was dying. Um, and at the face of it, you would say I was dying due to, um, you know, all the medical specialists and being bed bound and and uh, all the things that uh, were a part of my compulsive over and under eating. Um, but um, in truth, it was a deep, deep set of deep resentments that the world and its people were often wrong. I blamed others, felt sore, blamed myself, stayed sore, and that's as far as I ever got. So um, what was putting me in the grave, what was driving me into the hospital that I'm driving to work in today um, over and over and over again? And it was this resentment, this sense that things in the world were wrong, the way the world was run, even by my uh, God, as I understood God, were wrong, uh, that everything was happening to me. I often describe that I felt like my nerves were on the outside and on edge all the time, and I was looking at everything. And now as I drive into a very difficult work environment today, I know that the things that kick up for me um, are all things within myself, uh, that if I take a different attitude, if I face um, what is going on inside of me, the events may still seem be tragic and difficult. Um, today, my son faces some difficult um, possible news. So, you know, I've already done my 10th step. Will he be suicidal today? Will today be the day? Um, but um, even knowing that, I live, uh, I live and seek to live at peace because I have a higher power that accepts me this way and then uh, loves me um, until things start to shift. And as things start to shift, I can relax into that loving care. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you so much, Julie E.B. Ken W.H., you're up, followed by Sandy C. Thank you, Katie. This is Ken W.H. from Cary, North Carolina. <clears throat> I'm aware that 
This may be one of the most powerful and strongest statements about um, how dangerous resentments are. Um, the, the term infinitely grave just jumps off the page at me, and I, I suppose he could have easily said deadly serious. So we have infinitely grave, the grave, uh, deadly serious. Um, it kills us uh, if we it will drink again, and to drink again is to die or to eat. The way we were, uh, the way I was, is to die. Um, this is a really hard paragraph to uh, ingest, so to speak. Um, the warnings are dire. And and this is where, for me, that whole discussion of justified anger or justified resentments, it's made, those are made to appear to be an assassin. They're, they're out to kill me. And it's, it's a deadly pursuit for me to uh, try in any way to justify being angry at someone or something or even myself. Um, that's a, it becomes a moot point. It's, it's something so wasteful of my energy and time and spiritual energy that um, I, I have to absolutely let it go. It is infinitely grave. It has eternal implications for me. And um, I, I just want the sunlight of the spirit to have a free reign and a free, free entry into my heart, and uh, this this whole business of resentment just has to be set aside. So I thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Ken. Okay, Sandy C., you're up, followed by Heidi B. Uh, thank you. My name is Sandy C. I'm in Fall River, Massachusetts, and um, I'd like to start by apologizing. I was supposed to read the 12 steps this morning, and I completely blanked, and I'm so sorry I did that. And I will be here next Monday. And thank you to, I think it was Rick who stepped in to read. And thank you to everybody who does service. And what a lovely service structure to have a backup reader. And, um, good. And I'm, uh, I, it's this morning, making a mistake is a perfect example of the energy that, that amp, I'm like sort of in this energy mode. Um, power metaphor, right? We're looking for a power greater than ourselves. And I think one of the first things we find as human beings is this power of being right, the feeling of being right. Well, if I'm going to be right, I got to be making somebody wrong. That's just, a, that's just a fundamental construct of that concept. And then I get a lot of juice. So this morning I had juice over making a mistake. Oh, I'm wrong. I'm bad. And then I go into, well, I should probably get a CAT scan because this is the beginning of the end and my memory is failing me. And, blah, 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 blah. and um, there's a lot of juice in all of that kind of thinking. Um, there's a lot of juice I get out of um, not, you know, hanging on to my resentments and rehashing old feelings. It's like a little electrical charge, it feels like today. But it's a toxic source of energy right it's a it's a corrupting source of energy it does not serve me and it does in fact block me from the sunlight of the spirit and it is infinitely grave for me to stay there and continue to stick my finger in that current uh, of resentment and this whole uh, past week or two has just been this big aha light bulb moment for me 
about and this kindness and compassion for myself and others that of course we're seeking power of course we are and we meet this way of getting power and being right and making others wrong and of course we continue to do that until we get to until it stops working becomes too painful and we start looking for another way of doing it and i'm just very very grateful for these meetings they've just been life altering for me so thank you so much for letting me share Thank you, Sandy, and I'm glad you're okay. Um, and uh, Heidi E.B., you're up, followed by Amanda B. Hi, this is Heidi B. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Hi, Heidi B. from Brooklyn, New York. Um, this is my first time sharing on this line. Um, and just grateful to be here. Um, I'm just getting ready to start step four. And um, yeah, I mean, this paragraph like just really says all of it for me. Um, I'm back from relapse. And um, you know, the thing that I very acutely felt in relapse that I was that I wasn't living and I just felt stuck. And um, I was just waiting to die. And, and it says right here, to drink is to die. And, and that's so true for me. I had dangerously high, high blood pressure that has already begun to um, become more controlled um, in, in abstinence. And I'm abstinent, um, not recovered, obviously, since I'm just starting um, step four. But, um, you know, high blood pressure, regular heartbeat. I could hardly walk. Um, you know, I'd walk a block or two and just be doubled over in severe back pain and um, all of those things have already been lifted and um, it's just, it's just amazing. And when I think about resentment, um, you know, it says um, it blocks us off from the sunlight of the spirit. And I was just listening to a um, talk yesterday and, um, you know, it was said like, if we don't get rid of these things, we can't make room for God. And, you know, that was just something I really needed to hear was like, I can't recover. I can't um, have the sunlight of the spirit if I, if I can't make room for it, uh, if I can't let go of these resentments. Um, so, um, so yeah, just very powerful for me to hear today. And um, yeah, I thank you all for doing service. And with that, I pass. Hi, this Thank is you, Heidi and Amanda. Okay, there you go, Amanda, followed by Barbara S. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Amanda B. from Toronto, Canada. Um, I got two things out of this reading. Somebody asked me why I'm in program. I've been here for a long time, and recently my obsession, things are pretty rough up there in my head. And it says here... Um, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit and to the precise hours, or sorry, to the precise extent we permit these, we squander hours that might have been worthwhile. And it tells me here, you know, why are you here? Is it to get a number on the scale? Is it to stop um, eating X, Y, Z? It says whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. And that's why I'm here, even in the dark night of the soul or whatever they call it. I know that God is here and that is my goal. 
no matter what my mind tells me, that deep in my heart, that I want to walk towards God and have the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. So that's what I really got out of this, is the words worthwhile, the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, and the sunlight of the spirit. Thanks so much. Okay, so last person is um, on my list is Barbara S., and then we'll have time for three or four more, or three. Go ahead, Barbara. Hi, this is Barbara S. from New York. Uh, This is just what I needed to hear, a reminder of how important it is to turn over and to work out my resentments. Uh, I see it similar to years ago with the computers. If our disk was full, it wouldn't work anymore, even the, the inbox in our computer. I feel that I'm not taking it. Sometimes I feel I can't um, study well. Like my disk, my head is too full. It's full of resentment. I have, I think it would be, two resentments that I'm aware of now. One I turned over, and it's wonderful that I did, but I had contacted two people or three, and then when I had the opportunity to talk to them, I just, oh, oh, it's okay now. It's nothing big. It's nothing big, but it it comes up. It's it's somebody that I, I do volunteer work and somebody who is in charge and not listening to me because I am so right. Um, and then I resent it, and then I do something that makes it worse. I have a friend who is willing to gossip, and I did that. So that's like digging my own grave mentally. So I apologized to that person for gossip, and she didn't know, understand. She's not a program person why I'm, you know, apologizing. But um, I, as I'm listening to people talk, I remember if I didn't have anybody, I turn it. I could turn it over to God, and I also could say the resentment prayer. I I just hold on to these resentments, like. Um, and it's not that many that I'm aware of, but I'll hold on to a resentment. Just, I, I, I'm not aware. I have to pray. I know I could release the resentment if it, if it comes into my head during a meditation. I send it downstream, and it works. But um, resentments with me, and I know with most of us or all of us, hold me back. It just holds me back. It doesn't, you know, we say the sunlight of the spirit. It doesn't give me an opening for letting God in. So I pass, and I'm thankful to be here. Pass. Thank you so much, Barbara S. Okay, so we are on page 66, the first paragraph. And who else would like to share? We have time for three more. Surrey C. Surrey C. Lynn S. Jim S. Ina Bell. Okay, I heard Siri C. Surrey C. Lynn, I'm not sure if there was S or F, and Gina. 
And Inabel, if we have time for you, we'll have you as well. Go ahead, please, Suri, followed by Lynn. Hi, this is Suri, the compulsive overeater. Hi, um, resentment. Um, where are, when I'm in resentment, I am denying myself being who I am, as I am, where I am today. And that's a waste of my time. And the only energy, the only things, the only resources that I have in this world that are mine are time and energy, and they're mine. They're gifts. Every minute of them is a gift. And I can never get it back. And I could spend the rest of my life apologizing to each person for wasting their time because I'm not using my own properly. I'm squandering my own. I'm not recovered. But then, where am I? I'm in resentment. I'm not doing this properly. I'm not doing anything properly. I'm not doing anything perfectly, but God either is or isn't. God is perfect. I'm not perfect. But if I'm in resentment, then I'm in the grave. Because that's wasting my time wanting my life to be different than what it is today. And it is such a gift. As imperfectly as it is, it's a gift. And so every minute that I get to spend it, being not resentful of the fact that I am 10 minutes late from my walk or that I overslept or that I am not resentful of the fact that I'm not recovered when I want it so badly, but just appreciating the fact that I have more minutes of being present in my life than I have, the fact that I'm still calling onto this line every single day as imperfectly as I am, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. This. Thank you for this line. Thank you for all of the recovered voices that keep bringing me back every day. And I'm so grateful for that. That I pass. Thank you, Suri. Okay, Lynn, it's your turn, followed by Gina. Hi, this is Lynn S., like sunlight, in uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader in Toronto, Canada. Don't you just love it when the penny drops? And I heard some a share this morning, and all of a sudden I was struck just standing stock still, and I went, oh my goodness, I get it. I had held on to a resentment, the Walton Sue resentment, forever. I lived through it for a good six years, and then I hung on to it for so much longer. And what I heard this morning, somebody just said, what did the resentment give me? It gave me power. And it, it was like I'd never heard this before. It went right into my heart, like just bam. And I thought, that was it. I felt so powerless living in that circumstance. And that resentment gave me a sense of power 
like they they may be doing that, but I can do this. I, I don't know how to put it into words. I can't put it into words. I've, I've tried for years to put it into words. It doesn't need to be put into words. What needs to be put is the, the, the heart knowing that that resentment gave me power, and that's all that it was. And what's so wonderful is I have been relieved of that resentment. I don't have it anymore. But just that heart knowing has given me an extra sense of lightness that's indescribable. I am so grateful to this line, to the people on it, to the gift that I was given by a friend who I resented because I'd be calling her and all she could do was talk about this meeting. Thank you, God, that you brought me here. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Lynn and Gina. You'll be our last share. And Inabelle, if you possibly could stay on for the second hour. Gina? Okay, Inabelle, why don't you go ahead? We seem to have lost Gina. I carry resentments like a mountain of boulders on my back in my early years in OA. And of course, uh, it was impossible for me to recover. All I did was eat mountains of sweets. And I carried bitter resentments against God. And so I certainly was not looking for a spiritual experience. And my early fourth steps were lists of resentments against God and everyone else. And I was a victim. And guess what? I didn't recover. And when I did resentments against my poor father who suffered from mental illness, which I didn't want to or wasn't able to recognize, I had seven pages of resentments against him. And I love my mother dearly, but I had four pages of resentments against her because she uh, triangulated me in a relationship with him where she tried desperately to use me to control him. And um, it wasn't until I learned, I know I'm getting ahead of things, to do the fourth column where I lo looked at my part and what God wanted me to be, that I went, aha, now I see where I was at fault and what God wants of me that I was able to recover and get rid of my resentments. And the last few four steps that I've done, I do four steps pretty regularly every year. I have zero resentments against my father, zero resentments against my mother. I have so few resentments. And of course, I regularly do the 10th step because when resentments against come up, as they do, uh, and, and I, so often I realize that they're irrational, um, 
I I want to get rid of them quickly because I don't want to carry them as I did for decades, like a mountain of boulders on my back that I used to cherish. I now consider them absolutely like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. I was the one who was dying. And now as a recovered person, I get to live. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you so much, Inabel. And so we are out of time. And so we will um, thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, June 21st, 2021, 7 a.m. meeting is 17,191. That's 17191. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. This is Nancy P., uh, recovered in Westminton, Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.